Well, hello, and welcome to Faith Life 365. This is episode number 39. Now, if you've missed any of the past episodes, please go back and uh, listen, watch, or read and get caught up. You can go to www.faithlife365.org, and uh, you can you can watch, listen, or uh, read from there. And I uh, hope you'll take a look if you haven't been to the website. And uh, so today we're continuing uh, on the topic of religion or Word of God. Now let's say a prayer here and get started. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. I just thank you, Father, for all of your many blessings that you've bestowed upon us. Father, we pray today that you would open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear. We thank you for your Word. Father, we pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds, Lord, now as we as we discuss your Word in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. All right. Um <clears throat> In episode 38, we talked about religion versus the Word of God in the modern church uh, and our role as the ecclesia or the church. Now, let's continue discussing this topic, and I, I want to start with a question. So, is the modern church standing fully in its authority in accordance with the Word of God, or has the modern church, at least in part, become watered down with religion and political correctness. So when we look around at the state of the world that we are living in, it can be very discouraging and seem somewhat overwhelming right now. Uh, the things we see happening in the United States are extremely concerning and heartbreaking. So where's the church? Uh, it, it appears to me, and this is my observation, and maybe you have a different outlook or a different perspective from where you are. But it appears to me that in many cases, the church is taking a knee on the sidelines and being silent as evil is marching forward boldly in our government, our schools, theaters, TV, Internet, uh, and in some cases, our churches. And, and why is this? You know, I, I understand that there are uh, exceptions to this. I understand there are some churches that are mighty in the Word and they're standing mightily right now. I, I understand that. But I'm talking about just generally, in general, looking across America at the state of our church. And not too long ago, uh, churches were told to close down for two weeks to curb the spread of a pandemic. Well, I mean, this seemed reasonable, and most felt it was the right thing to do. So they complied. Well, then two weeks turned to four weeks, and then four weeks turned to six weeks, and then it turned into months on end. And, and I guess now we're, uh, uh, when this is being recorded, we're at the end of the year 2021, and, and uh, things seem to be a little better, but we still have a lot in some places, uh, a lot of restrictions and lockdowns on stuff. Um, Never, never ended in some places, it seems. Uh, some were even told they couldn't hold outdoor services with people staying in their cars and listening on the radio or via loudspeakers, all in the name of curbing the pandemic. Others were told uh, they could eventually meet, but they couldn't sing. No, nope, you can't sing praise songs or worship songs to the Lord. No singing. And you know, Many churches just gladly complied. 
Some griped and complained, but a few churches uh, in the United States actually stood up and fought for their constitutional rights, and they won. But why didn't the church, the body of Jesus Christ, stand up together as one? Now, I'm, I'm sure there are probably several factors in play, many different factors in play and reasons, and in some cases, excuses. Um, but personally, I believe the primary reason uh, that the churches didn't stand together and that the churches, churches just, just, just complied, and I think, to be honest with you, that this still is a major factor, um, and that's fear. Good old fear. Not just fear of a virus, but fear of government, fear of being labeled as uh, not caring for people or people's safety. Um, and, you know, also believe in many cases the church is losing its saltiness, its flavor. And what do I mean by that? Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 16, New Living Translation. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's, if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I ask again, where's the church? How is it ever good to shut the doors of the church? I mean, I know in many cases it's, it's the church's denominational leaderships that are making the decisions to shut the doors, and it's not, not necessarily the local church, but they go along with it. Maybe we need to realize that we individually are a part of the body that makes up the church. We are in the body of Christ Jesus. We are the body of Christ Jesus. We need to step up and speak up as the church in our local churches to ensure that we do not lose our saltiness. We need to be the city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden or silenced. We need to ensure that our light is not covered under a bushel or dimmed by a lampshade. See, I, I believe the modern church in many instances are allowing the enemy into the camp. Well, how is, how is that, you ask? Well, for starters, like I said earlier, fear. See, I believe in 2020, it was fear of a virus, a pandemic. A huge number of Christians lived in fear over a virus, and many still do today. There's still great fear, and, and, and our media and our news outlets, they push this. They push the fear. But aside from that, many live in fear of not just a virus, but of not being politically correct. And who exactly determines what is and isn't politically correct in the world today? Well, that would be the enemy. That would be uh, Satan and those following or ruled by him or, or not necessarily satanic or Satan worshipers or a church of Satan or something of that nature, but I'm speaking of the unsaved. I'm speaking of those who are following after the flesh, after the world. Um, they have an agenda. And they're following and they're being led by the enemy's camp. Whether they realize it or not, that's what's happening. And many 
many in the church have fallen for his lies. And according to society today, if you speak out against certain groups or certain activities, i.e. things that are sin, you're labeled as a hater or, or your words are labeled as hate speech. See, you, you are said to have a phobia of whatever name that they decide to label you with. And sadly, it appears that many church leaders and members live in fear of being labeled. So they tippy-toe around the issues. And some major church denominations are now performing weddings for same-sex individuals. How exactly does this fit into the Word of God? How? Speaking the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, is not hate speech. See, when you speak the truth of the Word of God, you're not hating the people that you're speaking to. You're actually loving them. And having said that, there are some Christians who need to learn to hate the sin, not the sinner. I understand that. But we are called to love. See, but the world labels us as haters. And many run in fear of the world's labels. Jesus forewarned us that we would be ridiculed and persecuted and hated. In Mark, rather, chapter 13, verses 9 through 13, the English Standard Version says, Be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. But when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious uh, beforehand of what you are to say. But say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who will speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated for all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. We're called to love, but not to fear. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40, the King James Version, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 2 Timothy 1, 7, the King James Version, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind, uh, or self-control. We are called to proclaim the gospel, the good news, to the whole creation, and to perform the same works Jesus did, and even greater works. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 20, the English Standard Version says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. In John chapter 14, verse 12, New Living Translation, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Now, let me ask this question. Do you believe these scriptures to be truth? 
many Christians do not believe some of these scriptures to be true for us today. And why is this? Is your belief based on what the Word of God teaches? Again, I ask, or what religion and certain theologies teach about the Word of God? What about these two scriptures? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 to King James Version. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now that's Isaiah. He's prophesying the word of God. He's prophesying the coming of Jesus and what's going to happen with, uh, of Jesus, right? 1 Peter Chapter 2, verse 24, English Standard Version. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, and some sort of versions say by his stripes, you have been healed. Again, by his stripes, by his wounds, you have been healed. Healed. That's past tense. It's done. Remember the last we talked about the law. That's the law. It's been done. It's already been done. It also speaks of he bore our sins in his body on the tree. And the scriptures also tell us that he that hangs on a tree is cursed. So he became the curse for us. He became the curse. So we're no longer bound by the curse of the law. And I, I can't, I'm getting off track on this. I can't go back down there. But this is all past tense. It's been done. So I guess at this point, I'm going to get what uh, some, maybe maybe even many, I don't know, I, you may call me radical or may say, I'm, well, you're, that's radical. But you see, I personally believe the Word of God tells us that God has already given us everything we need to carry out what He has called us to do in the earth. See, I don't believe that we have to constantly beg for it or repeatedly ask for it. Uh, we don't have to fall on our knees and cry. We don't have to fast so that we're better. We don't have to do. These are things, there's times and places, and it's appropriate in certain circumstances. But you see, the, what God has already given us, he's given us. It's there. We need to take it. There's a time and a purpose for fasting. But when it comes to, to going forward and doing those things, the Great Commission and the things that God's called us to do, He's given us what we need to do it. But we have to receive it by faith. See, I challenge you, uh, especially if you're, you're saying that, oh, you're a radical, that, you're, that's, that's crazy talk. That's just crazy talk you're saying. I challenge you to read and study the Word of God and prove me wrong. Now, I'm not talking about go... This is what my church denomination theology says. Now, I'm challenging you to take your Bible and you sit down and read the Word of God and you ask the Holy Spirit to come into you and to, to give you revelation and knowledge and wisdom and, and to, to help you with the understanding and teach you understanding and speak into your heart. And you pray, you read the Word and you pray and meditate on it. And I challenge you, I challenge you to do that and prove me wrong. See, Jesus said, Right, and we I've read this over and over again, and I know it freaks some people out because they these scriptures scare them. But Jesus said, "These signs will accompany me; those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They'll lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover." 
And you know, the thing about these scriptures, I read them often, but I, a lot of times I see them in books or I see them and other people quote them and they leave out the part. They'll say, you can you, cast it out demons. That's okay. We, uh, yeah, we're going to cast out demons, but this pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They skip over that and, and go straight to, and they'll lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Well, read the whole verse. God's not ashamed of it. Why are you? God put it in the Bible. Why are you ashamed of it? I'm not ashamed of it. That's what the word says. But if we don't take it and believe it, not going to happen. It can't. If you can't. If you can't believe it, and you're ashamed of it, then what does the word say? God said. Jesus said, "If you're ashamed of me, then I'm going to be ashamed of you. My Father in heaven will be ashamed of you." So, right? I mean, what does the word of God say? And that's what we need to read and stick with. We don't need to sugarcoat it. We don't need to take little parts out because some people get scared of it. They need to learn to trust it. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works as I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Was Jesus being truthful? Was he just kidding around? I mean, some teach that, that he was only referring to the disciples that were with him or, or the apostles um, but, but those words, they're, they're not meant for us today. Well, you know what? Jesus said, these signs will accompany those who believe. It doesn't say will accompany the apostles or the disciples or just until this date and time. It said, and his word says, these signs will accompany those who believe. Do you believe? He further said, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Again, do you believe? Anyone who believes, do we get that? Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Do you believe? How many Christians are bold enough to have faith and believe that God can and will do what he said? He can and will do what he said in his word. See, if we do not believe, it's a certainty that we cannot receive. If we don't have faith and we don't act on the word in faith, it can't happen. It cannot happen because that's how God's word and that's the laws, that, the way he's designed it. We have to receive by faith and we have to act on that faith. We're saved by faith. We're saved by the grace of God through our faith. But we have to apply our faith. We have to believe in order for his grace, right? So it's a two, it's, it comes together. Our faith, his grace, and when we believe and we exercise our faith, that we believe that Christ died, that he rose again, that he's our Lord and Savior, we confess him, our faith and his grace becomes inseparable. They become one and we receive the eternal life that he promised us. So the word tells us that we were not given the spirit of fear, but that of power and of love and of a sound mind. But yet it appears that there are many in the church today that live in fear. Now, this is one uh, I'd like, I want to read uh, uh, a testimony of John G. Lake. It's the bubonic plague testimony of, of John G. Lake. It was posted, the one, the, the, the version I have here was posted in the Christian Doctrine and Lifestyle, Healing and Miracles, Health and Fitness. Um, 
So in the beginning, uh, there's a quote that, that says, when I saw for the first time by the word of God that sickness was not the will of God, everything in my nature rose up to defeat the will of the devil. John G. Lake. Now, uh, this is the testimony. It's titled John G. Lake and the Law of the Spirit of Life, his testimony during the bubonic plague. And uh, We begin. Now watch the action of the law of life. Faith belongs to the law of life. Faith is the very opposite of fear. Faith has the opposite effect in spirit and soul and body. Faith causes the spirit of man to become confident. It causes the mind of man to become restful and positive. A positive mind repels disease. Consequently, the emanation of the spirit destroys disease germs. And because we were in contact with the spirit of life, I and a little Dutch fellow with me went out and buried many of the people who had died from the bubonic plague. We went into the homes and carried them out, dug the graves and put them in. Sometimes we would put three or four in one grave. We never took the disease. Why? Because of the knowledge that the law of life in Christ Jesus protects us. That law was working. Because of the fact that a man, by that action of his will, puts himself purposely in contact with God, faith takes possession of his heart and the condition of his nature is changed. Instead of being fearful, he is full of faith. Instead of being absorbent and drawing everything to himself, his spirit repels sickness and disease. The spirit of Christ Jesus flows through the whole being and emanates through the hands, the heart, and from every pore of the body. During that great plague that I mentioned, they sent a government ship with supplies and corps of doctors. One of the doctors sent for me and said, what have you been using to protect yourself? Well, our corps has this preventative, uh, I'm sorry, uh, preventative, and that which we use as protection. But we concluded that if a man could stay on the ground as you have and keep ministering to the sick and burying the dead, you must have a secret. And what is it? Well, I answered, brother, that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me for the spirit of God will kill it. The government person asked, don't you think that you had better use our preventatives? I replied, no, but doctor, I think that you would like to experiment with me. If you will go over to one of these dead people and take the foam that comes out of their lungs after death, then put it under the microscope. You will see masses of living germs. You will find they are alive until a reasonable time after a man is dead. You can fill my hand with them and I will keep it under the microscope. And instead of these germs remaining alive, they will die instantly. Well, they tried it and found it was true. And they questioned, what is that? I replied, that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When a man's spirit and a man's body are filled with the blessed presence of God, it oozes out of the pores of your flesh and kills the germs. Suppose, on the other hand, my soul had been under the law of death and I were in fear and darkness. The very opposite would have been the result. The result would have been that my body would have absorbed the germs. These would have generated disease and I would have died. 
You who are sick, put yourself in contact with God's law of life. Read his word with the view of enlightening your heart so that you'll be able to look up with more confidence and believe him. Pray that the spirit of God will come into your soul, take possession of your body, and its power will make you well. That is the exercise of this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We are awakening to that marvelous truth that Christ is not in the heavens only, nor the atmosphere only, but Christ is in you. John G. Lake, end of the testimony. Now, John G. Lake uh, was in Africa ministering from 1908 uh, to 1919 during the time of the bubonic plague outbreak. So let's consider this question based on the testimony I just read. What would the outcome have been if we, the church, were living John Lake's testimony in the year 2020? What if we, the church, acted on the word of God with the faith of John Lake? What if instead of acting in fear and locking our church doors for months on end and staying away from each other, we would have acted in faith on the word of God? What if we had turned to the word of God instead of the federal government or CNN or MSNBC or any of the other uh, major news outlets? What if we would have believed the word of God, which is truth, over lies, over misinformation, over fear? Now, I know right now, some are got the hair roughed up on the back of your neck. Some are saying, well, you're just denying there was a deadly virus. No, I am certainly not denying that there was and there still are deadly viruses in this earth. Not just one. There's more than one, trust me. I'm fully aware that many men and women have died from this virus and other viruses, many Christians included. Some of you listening or seeing this have lost, lost loved ones, family members or, or friends, close friends who've lost family members. I, I'm not denying that. My heart goes out to those who've lost loved ones and to those who came near to death and suffered and, and have ill effects from it. There is a virus there. It's, it's, the virus is real. So is God. And you see, I'm not attempting to be callous or cavalier. Cancer is also real. And I, I recently lost my earthly father to cancer. Germs, viruses, harmful bacterias, cancers, diseases, parasites, many deadly things exist. They're there. Diseases are there. I do not deny the existence of any of them. I do believe that God's word says that if we are Christians living after the spirit, walking after the spirit, we do not have to die from these curses. Now, once again, some are like, well, that's radical. I, I know people that known God and believe God all their life and they died. Yep, ministers have died. A lot of people have died. But I don't believe we have to die. And I can't answer. I can't answer every situation. I know, I know we're all appointed a time to die. I know a lot of people died and it was attributed to a virus when it was 
they had they had other underlying conditions and other things went on. So I don't know. I can't I can't give you full answers there. I can't tell you why a minister, a man of God, someone who's preached the word of God and taught the word of God died and it was attributed to this. I don't know. The word says that that we're all appointed a time to die. You know, Genesis says man's time will be 120 years, and then later in the times of David, it says a, a generation will be 70 years, 80 years with with vigor. Um, but I do also believe that we have already been healed by Jesus' stripes. That's what the Word tells me. So I have no choice. I, I believe the Word. So over anything that man tells me or anything else, I believe the Word of God, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. So I also, like I said, believe that man is appointed uh, once to die, as stated in Hebrews 9:27, unless we are here during the rapture of the church. We cannot live forever in these flesh bodies. We will die. I just don't believe we have to die from sickness, illness, or disease. I, I believe it's God's will that we die in old age of natural causes. See, my father was a Christian, and he loved God. And when the, I was a young boy, the church doors were open, I was in the church. And, and um, I fully believe that God granted him extra time on this earth. And, and why? Why do I believe that? Because I, that's what he prayed and asked God for. Um, I know that. I know didn't know it at the time and found out from, from his pastor and associate pastor that, that they had prayed and he believed and had faith that God would grant him this time. Based, based on the timeline the doctors had given him to live, um, he lived uh, approximately an additional five plus years and during that time he did uh, uh, what he asked God to allow him to do and it had to do with starting and leading up a jail ministry uh, in his church and, and, and with other churches and he led many that were in jail to Christ in, in his last days and even uh, last hours uh, on this earth um, he was receiving calls from inmates he had led to Christ who had, had just been released and they didn't know he was ill uh, they didn't know but they were calling to thank him and that's an awesome that's an awesome testimony and so um, anyway let's let's go back uh, I want to go back now to uh, John G Lake so John G Lake had the same spirit living in him that we as Christians have living in us uh, the difference is John G. Lake was convinced. He had total faith. He was totally convinced that the Word of God through the Holy Spirit and by Jesus' stripes provided healing power. Totally convinced of that in his heart, in his soul, in his mind, in his spirit. Well, some may say, well, he, he must have just had a special anointing from God. You know, not just every Christian can do that. Well, Jesus said we could. We just read the scriptures above. Anyone, right? Anyone who believes. That's what Jesus said. Could do those things that he did. And if just any, you know, he had a special anointing. Well, what about the little Dutch fellow that was with him? Um, we don't even know his name. But he had the same faith that John Lake had. He had the same Holy Spirit living inside of him. And, and he did not contract the plague either. And he did the same things that John Lake did. But I will say many Christians did die. Many Christians died of the plague, but they didn't exercise the faith. They didn't exercise the faith and reach out and take those things that we have already been given. 
We Christians have all been given the measure of faith and we all have the same Holy Spirit living in us, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I know this is radical and I know people are, oh, yeah, yeah, you're one of them crazy guys. Okay, that's that's fine. John G. Lake must have been one of those crazy guys too. Um, and, and I'm not claiming I even, well, I have the faith. I have the faith. I pray to God that I can exercise it if, if I ever have to in, in a need of such as that. But Romans 12, uh, verse 3, King James Version, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think uh, of himself, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's why I say I know I have the faith. I know it's in there because we've all been given the same measure of faith. We, we've discussed this in past episodes. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11 to King James. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life, or the Spirit is life because of righteousness. See, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Do you believe the Scripture? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you if you're a Christian. He will also give life to your mortal bodies. Think about this. Meditate on this. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And he will give life to your mortal bodies but you have to believe it and you have to have faith in it and you have to reach out and receive it. You have to take it. We have it. It's been given to us. We have to make it become a core part of us in our, in our faith and our belief and grab hold of it and not, don't look at the symptom. Don't look at what Satan's trying to say is there. You take hold of the word and stand on the word. Remember 1 Peter 2.24. King James Version, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Past tense. Reach out and get it. By his stripes ye were healed. Again, past tense. It's been done. In episode 37, we talked about the legal and the vital. Our healing falls under the legal. It's done. It's already been done. Jesus isn't going to go get beat up again over and over again. Just like Jesus, he was made sin and died on the cross once for us all so that we may be made the righteousness of God and receive eternal life. Once. He died once. For all. For all sin. For all people. He, he also provided healing for us by his stripes and his wounds. He's not going to get beaten over and over for every person's individual illnesses, just as he's not going to keep dying over and over again on the cross for every person's salvation. It's already done. The legal part is done. We have to act on the vital. We, we cannot be saved by God's grace alone. We have to act in faith 
and confess that we believe in our hearts Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was raised by God from the dead. Just the same. Jesus has already provided our healing, but we have to act in faith and receive our healing. We have to grab hold of the word of God and our healing like a pit bull grabs hold and won't let go. Now, I hate to stop here, but that's going to be all for this episode. Uh, I want you to join me in episode number 40 as we continue to discuss the topic of religion or word of God. And we're going to pick up here where we left off. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.